We talking rom-com, we talking action We talking drama and movie classics Whatever you want, yo we have it Cause we talking movies on a podcast So I married a film critic So I married a film critic So I married a film critic Hey honey, I just wanna talk so about the movie like casually critic. You don't have to so bring I up married- the cinematography honestly let's just talk about like how the characters were fun married a film critic so i married a film critic welcome to so i married a film critic this is your co-host julia and our film critic barry hey everybody how you doing (laughs) how's it going it's going good how you doing jules good um, Thank you for for being willing to watch a horror film after the prior episode in which uh, I got to swim through the Amanda Bynes swamp. So thank you for allowing me to redeem myself and shower myself in cinematic greatness. Wow, that's that's a big introduction. Uh, yeah, that's a big introduction for what I would consider maybe a small film. We watched the movie Don't Speak. No. It's called Don't Breathe. But Don't Speak is a great song by Gwen Stefani. did it again. Performing with uh, No Doubt. (laughs) Don't tell me why it hurts. You guys, I did that earlier today. It's called Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe, Jules. Wow. Don't Breathe. Okay. (laughs) So we needed a palate cleanse. I did. Yeah, I really did. You didn't, but I really did. Yeah. And... Just so our audience understands, if we ever do a horror movie, it is always your pick. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. It's my favorite genre, and I just love the creativity of them and the invention of them. And uh, I, I, I would rather watch a horror film than a bad romantic comedy, which is, which is why the one extreme to the other this week. But no, I'm really, I'm glad we saw this because I've only seen this once, and this is your first time seeing it. Yeah, my first time seeing it, and I went into this movie not knowing anything. You say you went in completely blind? Eh? Uh, eh? I did. I did not watch any trailers. I didn't really know what it was about. I mean, I think you gave me maybe a one-sentence synopsis. I think before it started, I said, it's like wait until dark, and just kind of yeah, just, said that. Yeah, just said, yeah. like, we're going with it, and I thought, okay. Well, and you know my... Um, your pain threshold when it comes to horror films yeah, yes yeah. yeah just so again our listeners know 17 years ago after we got married we saw <laughs> the ring together and you guys it terrified me and that was the horror movie that basically made me swear off horror movies 17 years ago <laughs> deeply scarred in a movie theater no that was a fun day because yeah you and i had been married for just a couple months at this point and i said we got to see this is naomi watts's new movie well and being newlyweds i thought you know what i'm gonna support this obsession and see every horror movie and that lasted maybe three films that early on like when you and i were dating and then when we got married i mean i i dragged you to some films that you just you did not want to see and man like you were such a trooper to sit through it like i remember taking you to the rules of attraction with james vanderbeek and i just remember there was 10 a, 10 do not recommend i just remember there was a point where you basically just like we had a row to ourselves it was opening night no one was in that theater no one wanted to see it even now and you just kind of laid out like on my lap and like went to sleep you're like wait maybe when this is over yeah, it was, <laughs> like I, I can't like you were like i won't even watch this i, I refuse could, i couldn't even do it so just so our listeners if we have any <laughs> know that um i don't really i don't like gory things i don't like really really 
like gross things. Um, Neither do I, really. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to be watching Saw or anything like that. Um, Good. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to watch it either. Well, just if we have any squeamish um, listeners like me, that this would be one, if you can handle a scary movie and suspense and a little bit of a thriller, I do actually recommend it. Well, I guess we should tell them what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll do that. It's uh, well, Jane Levy, um, who's a wonderful actress. She's on a show right now that I don't watch. It's what's it called? It's oh, the Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Thank you. It's a musical comedy show. Uh, two words in that description make it so that I will never watch it. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, so she's a, she's a very talented, versatile actress, and she was in Fede Alvarez's first American film. He's a wonderful filmmaker from Uruguay. He did the remake of The Evil Dead, and I'll say really quickly, this came out in 2013, and I avoided that movie because uh, Evil Dead is a is a big one for me, and I, I even though the original people involved, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were part of the making of that film. I still thought it was just cinematic sacrilege that they were remaking this great movie. And there's been so many bad horror movie remakes. So I purpose I went out of my way to skip it, which was a mistake because I finally caught up with it. The film was directed uh, by Fede Alvarez and it starred Jane Levy, who are both the, both the leads of, um, of Don't Breathe. And uh, the Evil Dead remake is one of the best horror film remakes. It's a brilliant film. It's a okay, real Okay, but we're not force. talking about that one. No, but I'm just setting, I'm setting the <laughs> table here. So this is, so like this is the second film these to have made together which is the reason that I went out of my way to see this one because it's like okay I was wrong about Evil Dead I'm not going to miss this one and I'm glad I didn't uh, Levy is one of the three uh, well she's a part of this gang in uh, Detroit Michigan well gang is there's maybe, three of them okay well it's not really a gang a cluster no a gaggle of thieves no they're just they're just some bad kids who <laughs> who break into houses and steal things well they're a little they're, more they're a little more organized like the, than okay, that okay but they're not like the bloods and the crips when you say gang i think of that all right but still i mean they i mean one of them is is packing heat and they they rob people they um one of the young it's three of them and the youngest member of the gang who you said you know he's in a netflix series yeah, so Dylan Minet, he I recognized him and I kept saying, "What's he in? What's he in?" and you had no idea. Yeah. And I looked it up later. He was the the lead in 13 Reasons Why, yes. that Netflix show. Okay, yeah. It's- 13 Reasons Why, The Umbrella Academy, one of the many shows on Netflix I just don't watch out of principle. But anyway, so he's the youngest of the three of them, and it's established that his character, he, he has a father who is an absentee father, but he is a, basically is a, is a, he has the security company, and he, this young man has all the security codes to all these homes, so basically they're robbing all of these houses. Yeah, it's weird because the dad owns the company and has keys to all the houses, yeah, and the kid has them. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's there's a couple holes with that with that concept, but whatever, we just go with it. So he basically they choose all these houses seemingly at random that have uh, have these are done you know worked on by these security companies, so they're able to easily just you know rig the code and then enter the home and and rob them. Um, they've been doing this for quite some time. We established that Jane Levy's character is, is in this horrible situation where her mother is just kind of living this wild and very self-destructive life. She has a younger sister. So Jane Levy's character really wants to escape and take her little sister with her to just get the heck out of Detroit, Michigan. And when, as, as it is with a lot of movies like this, 
it's established that there's this one last gig they can do, that this one last heist. If they just go into if this they house. they could just get this money, they would never have to do it again. At least four blocks around, houses aren't occupied. No people means no 501 patrol. It's gonna be a piece of cake. The guys that shot in hasn't left his house in like five days. I say we do it with him in the house. We'll get a chlorobomb. Jesus! Get out of my car, Doc! Yeah, that's her guy. Wait, is he blind? He's lost his sight in Iraq or something. That's kind of messed up to have a blind guy, isn't it? Just because he's blind don't mean he's insane, bro. We do this tonight. They do a little research and they discover that this house, which is really on the outskirts of the city, it's in this, it's literally in this neighborhood that is that is completely dilapidated and, and abandoned. abandoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really spooky, a real ghost town of a of a of a neighborhood. And there's an individual man who's who's uh, identified as the blind man in the credits, played by Stephen Lang, the villain from Avatar and a lot of other good movies. Um, he's living by himself in this house. He's blind. He inherited. But they don't know he's blind. Right not, not at first, yeah. but uh, we he, they know that he inherited a great deal of money because of this tragedy in his life, and he's just him in this house. Yeah, so basically they go and stake out the house, and they're they're like, should we rob a blind? And they don't know. If, oh, no, they don't know he's blind, but they know that his daughter was killed. Yes, his and, daughter was killed. Yeah. And, and yeah. he got the money as, as a settlement from yes. the court case. So they know he has about three hundred thousand dollars and i don't know why they know it's in the house but they just are like well if they didn't go for the house we wouldn't have a movie so it's it's a treasure hunt sort of thing and and because there's three it's very treasure sierra madre it's three people obsessing over this money that may or may not be there so yeah so the three of them decide they're going to go at two in the morning and we should also i mean the obvious point that they stake the house out, and they and, and the two things that we know is that he has this ferocious dog, Rottweiler. Yeah, this Rottweiler, but he's also he's also blind and seemingly feeble. Oh yeah, and they old. find out he's blind right away when they're staking out. Yes, because he comes out to walk the dog, and he has a walker, like yeah. a, a stick, a, a blind, a cane. Yeah, and yeah, they don't see him. Yeah, yeah, and so they're like, okay, this dude's blind. He has money. This is gonna be easy in and out job. Yeah. So at least that's the that's the scenario that's the setup. And we should say, as you as you reminded me beforehand, th- there will be spoilers. So if, if this sounds interesting, then then by all means go see the film and then come back and listen to yeah. the rest. We are gonna say all the spoilers because this was a wild ride. <laughs> it was it was yeah, and, and it was fun watching it with you because uh, you know I I remember the twist pretty well, but it is one of these movies that it does take its time to pull all of its punches it doesn't unload everything at once it's constantly kind of un- un- unleashing because it's a very straightforward story but at the same time like there are some like huge twists and that you know are, are spaced you know like like 20 minutes apart from each other yeah definitely um so i guess we should start off with the guy the group go to the house at mm-hmm. 2 a.m and yep. they have a really hard time breaking in I mean, there's locks upon locks, I mean, and bars on all the windows. I mean, this place is like Fort Knox. And so 
Rocky, the Jane Levy character, we'll just call her Rocky from now on, she sees that there's a window on the second floor and she's like, I'm going to go up there and, and I'll let you guys in. So she breaks the window, she climbs in and in you kind of, you see her walking through this dark house and a piece of glass kind of sticks to her foot, her shoe, and then it ends up I don't know. The camera like lingered on this glass in the hallway and I thought, oh, they're gonna like, that's going to be something. And, um, she has to get the alarm to go off, like make sure it doesn't go off. So she gets that done and opens the door and lets them in. And then we are just, this is the countdown now to crazy town. Yeah. And that's a really good moment to linger on because, Fede Alvarez is a really demonstrative filmmaker. He's not stylish in a way that's obnoxious or pretentious. I mean, he's just, he's very confident with his camera movement. I mean, for me, this this movie has has the precision of a really good David Fincher film. It's visually striking and beautiful. Um, you know, technically, it's it's absolutely stunning. It's such a tour de force of camera movements. The the actors are wonderful here. Um it's it's an exciting film, and and even though I, I think most wouldn't call this film a typical horror film, it is it is a horror film, and it's very intense. It's more intense than anything else. It's not a particularly it's violent and it's shocking, but it's it's not a movie I think that goes over the line. Yeah, it's not um, paranormal. There's no ghosts or spirits or anything like that in the movie. So if anybody's curious about that, it it tries to be more grounded in the real world. I yeah. think. Yeah, it tries to. Yeah, and. You know, we we in, in discussing it since we've seen it, we've come up with a few things that could count as a whole or whatever. But no, it's uh, yeah, it does feel pretty. You know, it, it's very plausible, especially in the opening scenes. How and, and you know, I think more than anything, we care about these characters. And as you pointed out, as the heist is going on, and they're in these three young people are going through the house and they're rummaging around, they're trying to figure out what to do, and they're they're going through the um, you know, they're going through all the the procedures of, of their heist and they trying to find the money try to find the money and they knock out the, the the old blind man you know it you you asked the really great questions like i'm not really sure who i should be rooting oh, yeah. for here so here's what happened they go up to his bedroom and he's sleeping and there's a tv playing and it's obviously old home movies of his daughter who's maybe seven maybe six yeah. i don't know and you're like, oh my gosh, here's this poor old man sleeping in bed. And there's, he falls asleep to videos of his daughter every night. Like this is heartbreaking. And now these kids are going to steal all of his money from a tragic accident. I mean, I was, I, I paused the movie and I said, okay, I don't know who to root for now. <laughs> yeah. Which, and, it, and it's great because that's, because, uh, I had a sense of what was coming, but it I had the same feeling the first time I saw it too. It really is the sense of like, I don't know about this movie because I'm not really liking these young people enough. Right. I, I'm interested in their predicaments and like I said, like Rocky has this really great reason for doing what she's doing. But at the same time, no, it's a great question. It's like, well, who's the who's the protagonist in this? Because they're all kind of taking they're taking advantage of this poor old blind yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so her Rocky's boyfriend, I guess there's two boys and her yeah. his name's money which is i think confusing but anyways <laughs> um he sets off a like a gas bomb in the room to put him to sleep and so then he's like all right old man lights out like let's find the money and they find they they find a door with like major locks on it 
And they're like, the money's definitely down here in, in on the other side of this door. And then that's when the blind man shows up. Dude is awake and he is more, I mean, it's established that he is a, a Gulf War survivor. So he's more than capable in taking care of himself and, you know, upending these kids. As we see very quickly, yeah. he takes he takes swift care of money. And you know what? Money is obnoxious. So yeah. I can't say I was sad to see him go. Yeah, but he um, he basically was like, "How many of how many are you?" And he he says, "It's just me, you know. Let me go." And so Rocky hides in the closet, and the other guy, Alex, he leaves. He basically gets out of of the house, but you know he hears the gunshot and goes back in because he knows Rocky's in there. Um, because the blind man locks his house up again, you know, after Alex gets back in. So now now we're really like, now I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was fun watching this with you. And then, of course, the big the big reveal, the, the, the which gets us into the second act. Um, and it's a swift film. Wait, wait. It, are you talking about in the basement? Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to set yeah, more up. Yeah. So they go... Okay. Yes. Because... You know they're trying to escape, and they're they remember this door out in the outside, and they're like the lock was on the inside. If we can get into the basement, we it's for sure we can get out. And oh, I wish it were that simple. But they go into the basement, and then what happens? You're so freaked out, you can't even say what happened. This is great. So it, it really is. It's a terrifying moment. Um, and by the way, it, it's in the trailer. Uh, Don't I, watch I the didn't, trailer. I didn't, oh I didn't see gosh. the trailer prior to seeing this movie. Neither did Julie. I'm really glad we didn't. But yeah, it's a terrifying, it's a great shock of a moment where uh, Rocky is immersed in darkness. Suddenly the lights go on and this young woman just out of nowhere just lunges at her. And we realize that the young woman, her face is taped. She is chained and she is in this like aquarium like like like. Gla- it's really weird. Yeah. It's like this part of this room that's padded by like like seat covers yeah, like seat it's padded the way you know a music studio would be padded yeah yeah like three or four deep yeah. you know and she's like she has a mask on she's gagged and she shows them that she's the woman who killed his daughter yeah she very very helpfully has a newspaper clipping about the crime she committed <laughs> which i guess is something that all criminals do they've got their <laughs> like look what I did. So she shows it to to Rocky and we establish oh my god this is this is the young yeah. woman. And we should talk really quickly like I thought this this was helpful cuz I hadn't thought of it before. You asked like well how how did she get there? Yeah, I said yeah, as we were talking I'm thinking okay, this dude's blind and <laughs> how did he get this woman in his basement? And because there's no way I was thinking, all right, well, maybe this crime happened. And to what? be clear, like he was blinded during combat. Yeah. This isn't a recent thing. Right. Yeah. So he'd been blind for a while. And then his daughter gets killed in a car accident. And I'm sure, you know, there was a trial. And then she, this woman you know, is it, it's what a manslaughter case, I yes. guess, situation. Yeah. And so he gets money from it, but this woman does not go to jail. So that's the rub for him. Like she didn't have to pay for her crime. 
And so I was like, well, it's not like he could drive to her house and kidnap her. I mean, he's blind. It's very hard to kidnap people with uh, lacking sight and use of a cane. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a good theory, I thought. Yeah, I I think that the young woman who who, uh, committed the vehicular manslaughter probably... You know, and and having the newspaper clipping, I think, is also a really good good hint to this. I think she was just racked with guilt, and she knocked on the man's door, and wanted to apologize, wanted to, you know, like, was there anything I could do to make this right? And he's like, yeah, yeah sure, come in, and you know, and he probably. Whether he had that prepped for her or whether he just had this insidious plan in place, but yeah, he, you know, I think, I think it was probably something that he could have anticipated was going to happen or just wanted to happen, or maybe he just had this crazy, scary, you know, hostage dungeon set up. Well, anyway. what, what I think, I don't think he had the hostage dungeon set up. I you think, think he created it. after he had her yeah Yeah. because there's no way he could have known she was going to come to his house you know and the way that it looks it's so weird it kind of looks like maybe it was like an indoor greenhouse at one time yes yeah it does have that feel yeah Yeah, you know because there were some plants and just like weird lighting and tile and i don't know and the way that he has it set up with those cushions you're like okay he probably maybe ordered on amazon like random things like i don't know but it's anyways when she pops out of the darkness and like grabs rocky it is seriously a freak out moment yeah and she had and and the clipping says that she was basically found innocent of this crime it's go back to that moment i mean it was fun to to watch you physically freak out at that moment you retreated from one side of the couch to the other i think i said oh well you screamed out an expletive and it was great it was a glorious (laughs) glorious thing to witness so they decide they're like well we have to take her with us like we can't just leave her here because in my mind I'm like, well, is she like his sex slave now? Like, what's going yeah, so, on? Yeah, so Rocky and Alex are, are to see this this poor young woman who is clearly the A one prisoner. Who, prisoner, yeah. yeah. Again, she's like, she's she's got chains, she's shackled, uh, she's got a tape over her mouth, and she's in this this. Uh, it's it's like a giant fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. So they un. They, they figure out, oh, oh, we forgot to mention that while Rocky is in the closet upstairs, she's hiding in the clothes and the blind man comes in and there's a safe in there and he puts the code in. And she's able to she, see the code. she sees the code and knows that the money's in that closet. So when Alex comes back, he's like, we have to get out of here. You know, forget the money, forget all this stuff. And she just like looks at the safe punches in the code and just starts putting the money in her backpack and you realize it's way more than three hundred thousand dollars i mean he said there's probably a million dollars yeah which which sounds which looks about accurate yeah Yeah. and it's interesting too because alex at this point i mean he's just the whole time like we got to get out of here let's just let's go let's just he's the audience surrogate because we're going yes like this is stupid why are you doing get out of there Yeah. yeah so she now has the money and then now they they find the girl and there's another safe with keys. It's the same code. Like they're able to like use their brains, even though they're totally freaked out to like <laughs> b- 
basically get her out of these chains and all you know everything yeah and this and we should say like this whole sequence this whole first act of the movie it is akin to the john krasinski film a quiet place the Mm. use of silence is masterful it's very suspenseful because it's established you know i mean that's where the title comes from he can hear you breathing he can hear your knuckles crack he could hear every creak in the floor the film is masterful in its use of silence and you had a good question because you said is that just a movie trope or can blind people actually hear better? I'm just, I'm so used to that in movies, yeah. you know, and it goes back to, I've told you like one of my favorite uh, Japanese films is a series of movies called Zatoichi, the blind swordsman. He's blind. He's got a, he's very conveniently has a, a samurai sword hidden in his cane. And if he hears someone coming towards you, he just, just pulls it, pulls the sword out of his cane and, and suddenly whoever is standing in front of him is in pieces. Um, you know, so that that's a you know that's an old movie, but I've seen that done so many times. Where yeah, you you lose your sight, you have like this supernatural extrasensory you know bat like homing hearing, and yeah. I was I was curious yeah because yeah, I was yeah we did Google it I, yeah. and it is true it's they said blind people don't have better hearing it's just that they've figured out where sounds come from because that's like their next strongest sense you know what i mean so we use our sight the most and then our hearing but he's obviously only using his hearing it's a it's a peculiar thing because you know initially i mean this movie is really having its way with us because initially it's like oh he's he's you know he's he has a handicap he's unable to see you know, oh, he's, he, he's, he's, a, he's a, a blind war, man he's living a, alone. He's a veteran. He's a war, war veteran. He's lost his daughter. This horrible accident. Yeah. And I can, you know, and I, without jumping in too far ahead, I mean, I think on the one hand, you know, I don't feel like this is exploiting or misusing, you know, a character who has a disability. On the other hand, I think because of what we learn about this character and certainly the way Stephen Lang plays it, I mean, there is pathos. It is a tragic character. Yeah. There is a sadness to his his journey in his life. I did root for the character even as I find the character awful. Um, but yeah, I, I admire the film for that because it does take that leap. It's not one of these twist endings where it turns out he's not blind. No, he's, he's blind. <laughs> you rooted for him? Uh, I care about him. No. I did. Yeah, I did. He's tragic. He's messed up. As he, you as you probably indicated, no. he's probably still going through PTSD, not to mention the, the death of his daughter. Well, yeah, he's tragic. Like, that's the death of his humanity. Yeah, but what you find out later is even... Well, it, it's awful. More horrifying. But it, he's not Jeffrey Dahmer, for Pete's sake. I mean, like, you know, I, that happened when I was in middle school, and that really was one of those things like, like, oh, man, like this was the neighborhood kid who everyone was saying, like, he was so nice, little Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> you know, this is, this is a guy who lived a very long life. He served his country. He was a father. He lives alone. Who's to say, like, if he was a bit, you know, if his wife left him or if he was widowed. There's so much tragedy in this guy's life and when you know not to get into i don't want to i don't want to step on your feet and talking about getting to that twist but when it's established exactly what he's doing and why he has a hostage in the basement there is a practicality to it and the way he the way he you know explains it it, it's not i'm not saying it's justified i'm saying like this guy it's you're saying it's it just like makes sense in his worldview it makes sense as someone, you know, like this is, this sounds like this is, 
this is a guy who's not so far removed that he un- it doesn't understand. He's not like Buffalo Bill. He understands why. <laughs> no, no, he's not dancing around in human flesh. He understands <laughs> this is screwed up and that it's wrong. He gets that. Yeah. And he gives a timetable, which we'll get to. He gives a timetable to his crime, but at the same time, it's like this guy. Like I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't find him. He's monstrous, but I I don't. I don't know. I, I, I can't yeah, help but feel no, bad I, for the guy. Uh, yeah, I know. I think that was something that the director, I, I just was reading a little bit about it, that he, he, do, he doesn't, he wasn't trying to make any of the characters likable or dislikable. Sure. I think he was just trying to make them real. Which is smart, because I think yeah. we have just enough characterization in this movie. Which I, th- I think that's pretty normal, you know, like, um... I think Rocky and her choice to to still take the money even after all of this. I mean, I was like, what are you doing? You know, well, we understand what's at stake because yeah, it is yeah. about escaping. It's about a better life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Rocky sees herself as a surrogate mother for her sister. So it's like, let's get out of here. Let's start a real life. Let's escape this nightmare. So, yeah. I mean, like you get, the, you know, the idea is you get this money. This is a ticket to a new existence, a total new start. Yeah. And I think, you know, she obviously thought it would be easier. But okay, so... So go ahead. So so give us the, the second act twist that really turns this... And, and this is where the movie really shows its hand as to what it is exactly that's going on. Yeah, so they go to open up that the door that would get them. The basement door. The basement door. Yeah. And there's the blind man waiting for them. I mean, he knows this house like the back of his hand. I mean, it's... He knows. Well, he can hear them. So, yeah. which of the basement? <laughs> By the way, that is his voice. I, and I, really quickly, not to interrupt you, sorry, but like Stephen Lang, this is a brilliant character actor. My father saw him on Broadway. He was he played Dustin Hoffman's son in Death of a Salesman. He's played a lot of villains uh, because you know he has that he has the look, which is fine. He's a brilliant actor. Um, he played the bad guy in my favorite Michael J. Fox movie, The Hard Way, and he's also the bad guy in Avatar. That's what he's best known for. I love his voice in this movie because it is this voice of a man who doesn't use his voice often, and it sounds like he's probably been crying most of his days. It's a really oh, choked man, up... You're really... It's a, <laughs> it's a choked up hoarse voice. Um, yeah, like, I mean, think this, I think this is a guy who's just living in constant agony. I do. And you yeah. hear it in his vocal choice. But anyway, I'm sorry. Please okay, continue. But yeah, I mean, he's still like a monster who's ripped and like a <laughs> killing machine. Okay. So he opens up the door and just starts shooting and kills his hostage. Yeah. And the other two, Rocky and Alex, are like, Whoa! you know, so they start running back towards the basement and this this is the scene where he basically turns out all the lights and you're basically watching them in pitch black and it's really it's so scary because they don't know where they're going and at one point she's walking towards him he, and she doesn't realize she's walking towards him it's yeah, very similar yeah. obviously to the basement scene at the end of the silence of the lambs um, but oh, it's yeah, but yeah. it's it but it's interesting because no one has the upper hand here. Yeah. It really is again. It's just a matter of what everyone can hear. They're going. Yeah. They're they're using that and sense feeling. To, you yeah. Know? And, and feeling around and well, yeah. And you can see how he the blind man has all these little tricks that he 
things he touches so he knows where he is. And by the way, again, he is identified in the end credits as the blind man. We're not being insensitive. Like, I don't know what he's called. He's the blind man. No, like, that's the name of the character, folks. So just so you know. Um, so then, basically, the next, the, the rest of it is them trying to escape. And they're going, you know, they're finding their way on all the different floors and they can't get out there's bars on the windows there's locks okay but tell tell our listeners the horrifying reason why he has a hostage we don't know yet oh okay well yeah because he shoots he shoots the hostage and then he lets it lets it spill well he yeah he so to speak he finds her and he just starts crying and he says my baby and you don't know i was like is he talking about her like what's going on no he basically kidnaps her and impregnates her and so that she'll have another child for him and told her she could leave in nine months after the baby's born. And it's just beyond so horrible. So, okay, well, we can fast forward because Alex. Yeah, because he, yeah, Alex is out of the picture. Alex gets out of the picture temporarily, temporarily, temporarily yeah. and Rocky it's, has been uh, rendered unconscious, and she finds herself in the exact same situation that the hostage she, was in. Yeah, so now, well, it's crazy because she gets out of the house, he finds her, drags her back in, and then she's tied up, and I'm just like, what? She actually, like, got out. And then, yeah, and that's one of the things. There's so many near death scenes. That's one of the reasons this movie really scared me the first time I saw it. Um, really, really quickly, I'll say you and I have taken road trips where we've driven through ghost towns that are isolated uh, between Colorado and Texas, and that just frightened me to think like it's blocks and blocks of houses. Where is there anybody here? Where yeah. are the people? If if it's nighttime, are we going to see one light on? Like, well, yeah, really and freak me out. And, th- and th- this movie creates that. They so established that this is an abandoned neighborhood. It's an abandoned neighborhood. Everyone's houses have been foreclosed on. Everyone's moved away, but this guy. So when Rocky is free momentarily and running around, help me running around. Like there is nobody. Yeah. I mean, they might as well be in a desert. It is so upsetting to see like this suburb with all these houses, but they're completely empty um and you know and and he can hear the stomping of her feet so she's really easy to catch uh yeah yeah, so anyway i found that to be and he sticks their dog on them you know so the rottweiler has a pretty he's a pretty big character yeah he he really is it's (laughs) he's terrifying um but she wakes up and she's tied up and you know you're thinking oh my gosh now he's gonna have his way with her and all this stuff and he that's when he tells her you're strong. You'll survive. Once you have a baby for me, I'll let you go. It's only nine months. <laughs> Not a rapist. I never forced myself on her. Stop. I promised I would set her free just as soon as she gave me a child. she's gone but I'm done waiting 
the line what? that you the line that we talked about today because it, it was really bothering me. he's like i'm not a rapist yeah, he's like i'm not a rapist don't worry no big deal nine months then i'll let you go and i'm like how is he not a rapist oh no he's gonna artificially inseminate her with a turkey baster this turkey baster is a Ugh. is a key prop in this film i gotta say it's... in all honesty like i had not you know again like i went into this movie blind the first blind <laughs> sorry <laughs> i went into this movie unfamiliar with what it was the first time i saw it but i did hear that a turkey Paster was prominently featured in it, and the movie does not disappoint. Oh my gosh! And <laughs> oh my God. so I, you know, I just want to be clear: it doesn't matter that he said he's not a rapist; he was going to rape her uh, with, with a turkey baster. Yeah. For God's yeah. sake! So yeah, it's yeah. still he still is. There okay. is a. It's graphically shown in the sense that you see, like he's got vats of his DNA, Ugh. and there's close. There's the loving closest of it it's being disgusting. being boiled and, and it's prepared. So, it's so gross. It's, it's so gross. <laughs> For a movie that doesn't have any gore, that's like, that's the gross <laughs> part of this movie. It's like, oh my gosh, she's got like... Like this is just like a science It's experiment. like a gigantic mayonnaise jar that he's got like, oh, <laughs> the day's gonna come, so... Ugh, disgusting. So, so gross. Yeah, and then just as he's about to whatever... Um, Alex saves her. Yeah, it's a very, very opportune moment for Alex yeah. to show up at that moment. Because, yeah, he's... Yeah, because yeah. you're thinking, I don't want to see this. But what's even better... Yeah, so Alex turns the turns the tables. He whacks the dude in the head with the shovel and and, uh, and and rescues Rocky. And then Rocky takes the turkey baster and shoves it in his mouth. <laughs> and and lets it rip. And he's like... Yeah. It's like, how does it taste? Like, wow, man. Yeah. She, this movie knows its audience. She gave it to him. And it's great. It was awesome. Glorious. Yeah, it was like, good, you know, he totally deserved that and more, but, you know, we were happy to see that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a strange thing to root for, but it's that kind of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so they they handcuff him, and they basically, again, it's it's like, it's it's constant, this movie's constantly a series of reversals, so now... Yeah. The blind, old blind man has is is handcuffed in, the, in his own yes, prison. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's more to it because I think Alex eats it, right? At some point, Alex yeah, does eat it. Yeah, does, there's yeah. a there's a few close calls. I mean, he falls through a window. Oh, he's shot. God. He's impaled. I mean, yeah. Alex is like Jason. Like yeah, he just he, he cannot be killed. Yeah, and it's I don't know. It makes sense. Like Hitchcock used to say, like you know, one of the hardest things to do is to kill someone. And this movie makes the point. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're young, you're resilient. Even if you have a broken leg, I mean, you'll still you'll still fight to live. And this this guy, he has that. So I I never I never thought it was. It was never a plot twist that I didn't find probable. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, eventually Rocky makes it out and she has to run for her life away from the Rottweiler. And there's an awesome ending with the dog. Yeah, she does take it. Though I want to say, like, there is one of my favorite moments in the movie is Rocky runs from the house. I mean, she's a good distance from the house. The old man steps on the front porch. And you're like, how did he get out of, like... In any case, I mean, he's standing there. And, you know, obviously he's he's just standing there. And she's like, you can't do anything. You're you're useless out here. And then he's like... And then the dog... (laughs) And then the dog, like, runs after her. And she's like, oh, shit. Yeah, so it's it's great. Yeah, so it, it does become about the dog and and Rocky for quite some time. Where yeah, the, yeah. It's very Cujo, where the yeah. the dog is 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 a yeah. She's stuck in a car and she has to yeah, outthink yeah. the dog, she, and she does, and she, it's great. Yeah, she does, and it, that's awesome. And 
So at the very end of the, that scene, or no, of the movie. Oh, jump into that. Okay. Well, is there more? Oh, well, they. Well, he 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 brings her back to the house. He no no that was the, the old man. No. The old. He already did that. We no, no, no. So like, so the dog, she gets the dog in the car. She gets out of the car. He gets her. And then he brings her back to the house. Remember? And then they're in the front of the house. She sees that Alex is dead. Alex oh, left the remote. Remember? Yeah, you're right. So there's there's two escapes. Oh, so she gets dragged back twice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. This is why the whole time I'm thinking... Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, no, it's horrifying. Cause it's like, man, she she got so far, did so much, yeah. but like, but yeah, I mean, she's you know, she's a very loud person, and he's like, oh, there she is, and he, <laughs> he finds her very easily. So he brings her back to the house, and it's this really great reveal to just talk about the whole film, see for scene, where she uh, she finds Alex's remote. Alex had the remote that basically can set off the alarm. Yeah, to the so, security. Yeah, system, and she yeah. uses that to her advantage because, in addition to having super hearing, you know, it's also very sensitive. Oh yeah, and then the alarm goes off, and it alarm drives goes off, him insane. Bonkers. And she uses that moment to beat the living hell out of him, which is also a lot of fun to watch. And uh, yeah, yeah, and then that's that's where the film wraps up. You know, we, this is the climax of the film where she. Actually, she manages to overcome him. Um, in a way, it looks like she kills him, but really she just kicks his butt down to the basement, which is perfect poetic justice. Yeah. She gets out of the house. She's got the sack of a million dollars, and she manages to turn a corner just as a fleet of cop cars show yeah. up. We think the film is over, and then... Yeah, she's in an airport with her little sister, and they're talking about going to California and going to the beach, and it's going to be so great. And then she sees on... A TV, there's a news report that he's alive and they're like, his house was broken into and he was beat up pretty bad, but nothing was stolen and, you know, he's going to be fine. And the look on her face is just... The look on his face is fantastic because he's being wheeled out in a gurney. He has like a oxygen mask on. He's looking straight at the news camera and smiling. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and it's awesome because, yeah, so the camera is on Jane Levy's character, Jane Levy playing Rocky. She's horrified. And so she takes uh, her sister and they run off towards the gate. And the way it's shot and the way it feels, it doesn't feel like a happy ending. It feels like this character is going to be escaping for the rest of her life. It yeah. does not feel, it is not the happy catharsis you want. The movie yeah. doesn't give it to you. Yeah. And aren't they shooting a sequel? They've shot it. That's the amazing thing. They shot it completely in secret. Uh, Stephen Lang is back as the blind old man, oh. which I love. Uh, yeah, it's uh, apparently Jane Levy is not in it, or if she is, it's a cameo. I don't know. But in any case, it's, uh, the director and Sam Raimi said that they, they found a concept for a sequel that they loved so much that like we have to shoot this thing quickly. So apparently they were able to finish it. Um, it was in the midst of the COVID outbreak. So they, they shot it in, um, oh, where was it? I can't think, remember where it was, Belize or something. They shot it overseas and in secret and in a hermetically sealed bubble. And yeah, apparently it's it's done. It's, it's scheduled to open next year. Yeah. Don't breathe too. Yeah, I'm actually... I would be curious to see that. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, because yeah. this one really had me 
I mean, it's a terrific exercise in this kind of down, suspense. Freaking out. I mean, people have compared it to Panic Room. I mean, first of all, let me say Panic Room is so much better than anyone remembers. I mean, that's a four-star masterpiece. David Fincher made that film into a total tour de force, and I'd say this movie, to its credit, is up there. It would be a it be a be a masochistic but perfect double feature to watch those two back to back because it true. it is that kind of a film. I mean, the camera is acro- the camera moves are acrobatic. It's all over this house. Um, you know, the filmmaking is as much a responsible for how exciting and suspenseful this film is. It's great. I mean, it, for me, like I would say it's a cross between wait until dark and, um, the people under the stairs, two movies I love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I really do like people under the stairs too. And I got to say like, this is the, this is only the second film of this filmmaker. He did the girl who kicked the hornet's nest, which was, you know, kind of a quasi sequel to the girl with the dragon tattoo. He, it came out a couple of years ago. Claire Foy took over the role of Lizbeth Salander. Um, it bombed really, really hard. I liked it. It's good. It's, it was an original story, which I think people didn't like. They wanted it, to, you know, it to follow the books and it, it wasn't that at all. Claire Foy was amazing as the girl with the dragon tattoo and Fede Alvarez made it as visually rich as you'd expect from him. But yeah, the, nobody went to see that film. Mm. Um, so he, uh, he wrote, he co-wrote and co-produced Don't Breathe too, but he's not the director on it this time, unfortunately. Oh, dang. But he's, 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 he's a busy guy. He's got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, yeah, no. I'm, um, hopefully that movie hasn't set him back too much. The the girl the girl kicked the horn. I know. he'll be fine. I hope so because he's. <laughs> I mean, between Evil Dead and this movie, I mean, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. I love these young horror filmmakers who are just like they got the stuff. This is another guy like Mike Flanagan. It's like at the rate they're going, this is going to be like another Wes Craven and another John Carpenter. Just a really inventive guy who's really got the chops. He's great. And, okay, yeah. so. If you could have an alternative ending to Don't Breathe, what would it be? Not an alternative ending, because I think the ending is perfect, but I think um, after we see Rocky and her sister run away, the camera would go, the, the screen would go black, and then it would say one year later, and uh, the camera would pull up, and we'd see like this big Thanksgiving Day table. It's like in this dining room, there's all this whole family there, and uh, the father of the table stands up and he clinks against the glass and he goes, hey, I want to thank you all for coming today for the Wilson Thanksgiving. I want to thank you all especially uh, for joining us because I have my war buddy here, the guy who I served with me, the guy who saved my life. A big explosion, it took his sight, but it saved my life. I want to thank you all. Uh, you know, and we're just going to call him what I used to call him on the field, the good old blind man. Good old blind man, it's so nice to have you here. And Stephen Lang stands up, and he holds up the turkey baster. He's like, who wants some turkey? And end uh, credits. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's amazing that no one has called you to write this next script. <laughs> By the way, I love that, like, because Stephen Lang's character in this is kind of iconic, all I got to do for Halloween costume is just have white hair, a white beard, and a turkey baster. That's, no, you're not doing that. Can I please do no. that? See if anybody would be like, eh, you get it? You get it? Don't breathe? Huh? I got the baster. That's gross. Trick or treat. Ew, no. It's disgusting. Gobble, gobble. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, oh, how many stars did you get this movie? I, I guess three and a half. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it's unpleasant at times, um, you know, which is something that kind of comes to the territory of being a thriller slash horror film. Um, you know, it, it's, 
it's 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 a very dark film yeah and it does not have a sense of humor and that, that's a hard thing for me because i think some of the best horror films they have a sense of humor or they give you those moments of light or dark humor where you can just like have a laughing yes release. And this movie doesn't have that at all it's really really dark and at times it's unpleasant um even watching it with you the other night i'm, I'm just like this is a near perfect film but man like it could have used just a little bit of humor to to make it a little more. I mean, it's just it's. I wouldn't use the word punishing. I think it's a pretty exhilarating movie, but I mean, it's it's merciless. You yeah. know, you do kind of walk out feeling like I, I got to watch some Disney Plus right now because this is this is a, a tough one to go to yeah. sleep with. Yeah, it, you know, it was tough to watch at times because it is so intense. But at the same time, I mean, I didn't have any nightmares or anything like that. So that to me is definitely tells me that it didn't go too far with the visuals. You know, like, obviously, it's about unpleasant things. And this character is a monster. But it doesn't show you like it's not showing like sexual assault or you know yeah and, yeah. and, and you're absolutely right it could have gone that far yeah. um, but you know that's also a, I think a sign of a great horror film because a great horror film doesn't need to go that far and sometimes insinuating that stuff suggesting it is so much worse yeah yeah so how and, many stars would you give it um, I think I would give it three yeah because I enjoyed I guess the experience of watching it because it was so there were so many twists and turns and I just was not prepared <laughs> in a good way yeah yeah so I like it when you show me a movie that I have no background of I've never seen a trailer yeah. I don't know what's going to happen you kind of give me like hey it's like this or like that movie and you'll like it or well, let's just see. I really appreciate that, sweetie, because I, I I love showing you movies. No, I do. I love showing you movies that I love and I really dig. I, du I dug this movie the first time I saw it. I walked out of the theater thinking, I'm never going to watch this with you. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> but it's October, so I thought, like, I want to see yeah. it again. It's, it's Halloween time, and I wanted to watch a quality horror film. Okay, well, you hand me the movie, and then – so then you go – put our daughter to bed yes and you come make back. sure beatrice is unconscious yeah. folks because i and she is not walking out no. like what's that yeah there's a turkey booster oh stop okay so then i have it all set to go and you're like we don't have to watch it i mean we could watch something else and i'm like it's ready to go like let's just do this so you were you were you waffled yeah, I wanted to give you an out. I mean, because because I got a I got a stack of horror movies over there. That, you know, I, I borrow stuff from my local library all the time, and and you know they they know me. It's like oh Barry's here, so it's like there's all the horror movies leaving the shelf. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I was I was looking forward to seeing it again because it it has been I haven't seen it since it was new. Yeah, and I you know I remember really digging it, but at the same time I wasn't planning on watching it with you, but I thought this is really good. I'd maybe you know it's one of those calculated risks. Sometimes yeah. though those don't work out, and sometimes they do. Yeah, yeah, it totally worked out. I liked it. So oh, good, good, excellent. So you, do you get to pick the next one? I do. Sweet. Do you know what you're gonna no, subject me to? I no, don't. Okay, cool. <laughs> it won't be a horror movie. I know. <laughs> I'm not that lucky. So next week, must love dogs. John Cusack, <laughs> Diane Lane. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> Thank God. Can't stand that movie. Oh. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging out with us and listening to So I Married a Film Critic. That's right. Remember, everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, stop.